everybody. Welcome to OK Talks. I'm your host, Oliver Campbell. I'm a lifelong political nerd with an academic background in international relations focus and security policy and real-world experience working in the U.S. domestic political space and living in a number of other countries than my own, all of which combined, I think, positions me fairly well both to interpret for my international audience what's going on in the politics of my own country and to shed light for some of the folks back home on some events of note going on in the rest of the world. So I'm kind of surprised to be back with another episode this quickly. As you might have noticed, consistency here isn't exactly my strong suit, and frankly, it's a miracle when I manage to pull off a tempo of one episode per week. But hey, there's a lot going on right now worth commenting on. And in the course of that, I spent the last couple of episodes bashing people that annoy me in American politics, and I believe I did promise something different for the next one. And as they say, promises made, promises kept, because today... We're going to move east from the last few episodes and talk about the politics of my adopted second country of Spain, which holds elections this coming Sunday. Now, as I often say when I'm addressing events in other countries, I am hardly an expert in Spanish politics and government, although I have managed to pick up at least a couple of things over the last few years of living here. I am, however, going to be joined in a bit by a former colleague who is herself very active in Spanish politics and was actually just recently a candidate in the local elections. Sadly, she did not win when her party got... Well, it got kind of wiped out, which we'll get into in a minute. But fortunately, on the other hand, that means she has a lot more time to come and talk to us. So before I introduce y'all to Julia, I'll give you a bit more information about Spanish government and politics so that the conversation that she and I have is a bit more easily digestible. Spain is what's called a parliamentary democracy. Close listeners of this show will know that I am one of those people who thinks that parliamentary systems tend to work better than presidential systems like the one that we have in the U.S., Now, let me just give a very, very quick and dirty overview of how the Spanish government is structured. I'm going to do this out of earshot of Julia, who would presumably cringe at the inevitable errors and oversimplifications, but here, I'm going to go take a shot. Like a lot of parliamentary systems, Spain's head of state and head of government are not actually the same person. The head of state, in this case a king, is irrelevant to the actual politics of the country, basically. Like the Queen, wait, no, sorry, the King of England or President of Germany, so we almost certainly won't uh, be mentioning him again after this point. The head of government, the one who actually runs the country, is the Prime Minister, although in Spanish they call him President, so you'll probably hear him referred to thus from here on out in the episode. The head of government in Spain is whoever is able to cobble together the largest coalition in the Congress of Deputies, which is the lower house in the bicameral Spanish Parliament but realistically the more important of the two, without going way too far into all the constitutional details of all of it, the Senate, the upper chamber, is comparatively less important. From a governing perspective, what I just said means that an administration can be formed in which that executive part of the government consists of more than one party, since parties can come up with power-sharing agreements. And from a voter's perspective, it also means that you can vote for a party that you know isn't necessarily going to win outright without wasting your vote, because you know that the party you vote for might end up in the administration through a power-sharing agreement. That is to say, you could vote for a smaller party, and that party may not end up having the presidency, but could end up in Spain's version of the cabinet, like someone from your party might get to be the vice president, or minister of defense, or something like that. So then, who is right now the head of government in Spain? He is Pedro Sanchez from the center-left Spanish Socialist Workers' Party. Now, a quick note on this for any of my American listeners who might not already know, Unlike in the U.S. where the word socialist is used only by socialism's opponents to create a negative association with the Soviet Union or North Korea or something and give the impression that anyone who doesn't denounce socialism loudly enough wants to turn the U.S. into a floundering governmental and economic basket case like Venezuela, 
In virtually all of the rest of the free world, certainly in Europe, they recognize that capitalist democracies work best with a healthy dose of socialism. Now, in the U.S., to a degree, realistically, we recognize that too. We just don't use the word socialist since it's been so effectively demagogued that no one in American politics seems to actually know what that word means. But although we do do kind of less good of a job of it than do most of our peers in the developed world, we in America do actually have plenty of socialism in the form of things like Social Security, Medicare, and the Veterans Administration, and at least a tiny bit of unemployment insurance and stuff. Sorry, getting back on track. What I'm trying to say is, in most of the free world, the parties named some form of social democrats or socialists or something along those lines tend to be the center-left party. That is certainly the case in Spain, at the very least, where the Socialist Workers' Party, the PSOE, or PSOE, as you'll probably hear them called in this episode, is the dominant center-left party, to which belongs Spain's current president, Pedro Sánchez. For perspective, let me just locate PSOE on the Spanish political spectrum. Since under Spain's parliamentary system coalitions can be formed, there are a number of political parties which, at the national level, falls into basically into five blocks. So I'll describe them from left to right, and, well, since Americans make up at least a plurality of my audience, I'm going to try to analogize them to the U.S. in terms of where they are on the ideological and political continuum. The furthest left block is now called Sumar. This block had been represented by a different party called Podemos for a while, but there's been a bit of a power struggle on the left, and they seem to have now reconsolidated, or at least rebranded, under the leadership of Yolanda Diaz. Now, for my American listeners who have sometimes heard me lament the antics of certain far-left members of Congress in super-blue districts saying unserious things that hurt the rest of the Democratic Party nationally on Election Day. Well, let's just say that for any American voters who don't think that it's absurd when an actual elected member of Congress unironically calls for things like canceling rent, abolishing all prisons, or defunding the police, <laughs> well, those sort of voters would probably find Podemos most comfortable. Now, that struggle that I mentioned uh, previously does seem to have effectively gotten rid of several of the most obnoxious big names in this political block, you know, the ones who had a tendency to say dumb shit in public, things like speaking positively about Nicolas Maduro, the dictator of Venezuela, but yeah. Yolanda Díaz may be, I think, at least technically a communist, but she and Sumar seem quite a bit more disciplined in representing the left end nationally in Spain than their Podemos predecessors. So yeah, left end, Podemos. No. Left end, Sumar. My bad. <laughs> the next over is Besoy, which I mentioned before, and is basically the Spanish analog to relatively normal mainstream Democrats. Were they Spanish rather than Americans, this is probably where Nancy Pelosi, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, other, you know, pragmatic Democrats, really, I think, basically the bulk of elected Democrats belong. In the middle is Ciudadanos. Now, this party formed originally in Catalonia in opposition to the separatists as a sort of centrist, technocratic, pro-EU party, which has sort of drifted around a little bit ideologically in its relatively brief existence. My sense is that it was sort of an attempt to do in Spain what Emmanuel Macron ended up doing in France, but without anywhere near as much success. This party, and I hope those listening who support it will forgive me for saying so, I think kind of blew its big opportunity in 2018, when it did very well in the elections that year, but then squandered their chance to be in Sanchez's governing coalition and has since just just gotten absolutely wiped out, most prominently in the local elections that happened uh, just recently back in May. They are, in fact, not even fielding anybody for the national elections coming up now. So to go back to the American analogy, this party is probably like 
the Problem Solvers Caucus in the House. Like To put it in terms of a few bigger names, this is where Joe Manchin, Susan Collins, really this is where Kirsten Cinema would belong. In the traditional right-wing spot is the Popular Party, which you'll hear called Pepe in our conversation. Now, there's really not that much to say about Pepe, except that they're the main antagonist to Sanchez. They've had their own power struggle over the last year, and fortunately, at least in my estimation, the more firebrandy Isabel Díaz Ayuso was beaten out for the leadership spot by Alberto Núñez Feijó. Now, for my super nerdy followers of American politics, think of this as being basically the difference between the, uh, between the Republican Party being led by, I don't know, like a Ron DeSantis versus a John Boehner. I know it sounds like a shit sandwich either way, but trust me, the second option is definitely better. Finally, on the far right, there is Vox. Now, to be charitable, especially after I wasn't very nice to them in the last episode, I have here compared the Republican Party to Pepe. But as nuts as most of the American Republican Party now is, realistically, the vast majority of them would be much more comfortable within Vox than they would within Pepe. Vox is much more unapologetically anti-LGBT, anti-immigration, anti-Europe, anti-vaccine, anti-Earth being round, etc. Although, as I say, sadly, much of the Republican Party would probably be most comfortable in Vox, to stick to the analogy that I've been using for so far. Let's say that this party in Spain is the equivalent of the House Freedom Caucus. Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene's people. In addition to these national-level parties, in various localities in Spain, there actually are local parties that advocate for local issues and sometimes do end up joining national coalitions. Now, I'm largely going to steer away from too many details about this because I've already gone on too long and I don't want to go into a tailspin ranting about the Catalan separatist movement, although you will actually hear Julia mention regional parties at one point in our conversation. In any case, at the national level in Spain, the five blocks that I just described are the main players. So, there we go. You know at least a little bit about the board and the players on it. So, what's been happening in the game lately? Well, uh, at the end of May, regional elections took place all across the country, and the center, center-left and the left just got, got absolutely wrecked. A bunch of cities and municipalities that were under Basoy control flipped to the right, sometimes to coalitions that included putting the far-right Vox party in the government. And national elections were due to be held this fall, but President Sanchez decided to move them up to July. Based on polls showing Besoy behind and the fact that Besoy just got destroyed at the local level, it's not looking great for the center and left in Spain. Also, and Julia and I will go into some detail about this, it looks like realistically a loss by Besoy will mean not just the fall of a pretty decent president, but almost certainly a government that includes both Pepe and Vox, the first time a far-right party will have been a part of Spain's government since the end of the Franco dictatorship in the 1970s. So, with my typically long-winded preamble out of the way, I hope that was helpful for context, joining us now to talk about this is my former colleague Julia Juan, who is a keen observer of Spanish politics and has worked in various different roles in the Spanish and European political space, most recently on campaigns with the aforementioned Ciudadanos party, up to and including being a candidate in the recent local elections. I can think of no one I would rather have on the show than Julia to discuss the elections coming up this Sunday. But, of course, before I bring you our conversation, I have to ask, if you haven't already, that you please subscribe to or follow the show, and even more importantly, share it with anyone else you think might be interested. Without wanting to too shamelessly self-promote here, I do think there is something to be said for a podcast that can bring decent, if at times slightly bitchy, analysis of American politics, 
and then also an in-depth look at a political issue somewhere else in the world, occasionally even in the same week. I hope you think so too, and thanks in advance for your help spreading it around. And with all that out of the way, here's my conversation with Julia. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. So first of all, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I want to start by just getting your opinion as to why this election is happening now in the middle of the summer rather than in a couple of months as was originally planned. Yeah, well, it's it's weird. Uh, nobody expected this to happen. Uh, they were originally planned for the end of the year, so it would like a long time for the parties to get ready for this. And I think uh, it's it, it's quite weird because, you know, I, I guess we're going to go deeper into that later because the polls are not being really uh, friendly towards our current president, uh, which seems weird. I think the what happened here is um, we had these regional and local elections in May, and just the day after, our president decided to call an election for you know this Sunday. Uh, the result was not really good for for the party that the president represents, which I think you have mentioned before. It's PSOE, um, but I think there's some sort of fear of what's potentially going to happen in a lot of regions and that we have already seen in a couple of regions, which is the um, extremists being part of governments. And by that, I mean Vox, which is our far right uh, party here. So I think uh, there was like some sort of the wolf is coming, something like that, it's going to happen. And we have to act now because otherwise I think not cal calling the election now was gonna give time for these uh, governments that are being formed now in different regions to prove that maybe they work, even if, you know, having a, a, a far right party in a government um, can be scary. So I think that, that for a part of me thinks that it's because uh, Sanchez didn't want to give them time and space to work. To it's like, hey, the, the, the far right is here. They're right in our backyard. They're getting in the governments. We need to stop this from happening in the rest of the country. But I don't know if it's working just out fine for them because the polls are not showing that this strategy is is, is working. This I was going to say it. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say it, it did seem interesting to me that, like, yeah, I mean, like to, you know, to like to refer to what you just said. I mean, like the you know the regional elections happened in the end of May, and the left and the center left got their ass kicked, and the center got completely wiped out. So like. You know, so it, it was interesting to me that Sanchez's decision was to then call to have the elections earlier when, I mean, I am, full disclosure to anyone who couldn't pick this up by my very obvious fanboyness in the introduction, like, I am a fan of President Sanchez, and, you know, so I say that with that in mind, but it does kind of surprise me because I figured if we really believe that the far-right party is so terrible and incompetent, you would think that actually having a couple of months of watching them flail around while attempting to govern might actually be a good uh, contrast for elections in the fall. But evidently, yeah, I, I think your rationale is probably right. I guess they decided better to have the fear than the actual example. There, There's also the thing uh, that you mentioned, like the, the center party here in Spain disappearing like from everywhere. It's it's only represented in one region. And it's, I'm really sad to say this, but only because that region didn't have elections back in, in May. Oh. Um, um, and, and I think... Um, like this is also an opportunity that that the major parties are taking to make them completely disappear if we could put that in a way because uh it's not only the center party which by the way is a few that knows that it's like now completely out of the spanish political map if we could say 
uh, it's also Podemos. They're technically they're not running for the election. There's another coalition. The name is out of the board. Like I mean, Sumar counts effectively, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think it's it's also an opportunity for uh, especially PSOE, but also Pepe to take back all of the power that they had to give away years ago when our you know political map changed and we in Spain started having other real options, which is something that we hadn't seen. This is you the, know, you're, you're referring to the fact that basically since Franco fell, Spain, although unintentionally, was effectively a two-party system between Peso on the center left and Pepe on the right. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he, I don't know if you've in your introduction, like, or I don't know if you want to go really deep into the history of our democracy, but it's like basically we went to bed one day and we were in a dictatorship, and then we woke up one morning, one morning, and we were a completely different country. We were democratic we had a constitution so everything was done in a really quick way and we had like two major parties that were making turns in government yeah i mean to be fair there had always been more than two options but options that could potentially be in government yeah. it was just yeah it's i will say coming uh, coming from a actually, system our, that... our first coalition government it's it's the, the last that we had in 2019 so um really yeah, oh, we, we have never had that. Oh, wow. before. Oh wow! I will say, coming from coming from a country that has a much more entrenched two party system and one where voting for a minor party is is not just like maybe not strategic; it is actually like actively undercutting, you know, where you actually are. I should say, like the the the, the big parties here may have a short term interest in squeezing out the smaller parties in the hope of getting some of that vote share. But in the long term, boy, they are a lot better. From my perspective, they are a lot better off having these other parties because like, for example, Sanchez can have an agenda. And then, you know, rather than having a really, really far left set of people be in his party, they can be in another party. And then if they say something that doesn't help him electorally, he can just point to them and be like, oh, they're in another party. I mean, looking at the Democrats in the US, I would give anything to be able to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to have a, a coalition where I could point at, as I I bitch a lot, a, a lot about on this show, uh, to be able to point at certain members of the Democratic Party and be like, hey, man, they're not in my party. You know, we, we're, we're kind of rowing in the same direction, but, you know, we don't have that luxury. And I, I think that the major parties in Spain, they, they may want to get rid of that in the short term, but in the long term, I think they'll end up regretting it. Yeah, I think that that's what happened because, you know, it's our first coalition government and I have to say, like, I personally haven't voted for any of those parties that are right, like currently in the government, but I think they've done a pretty good job. I mean, we've seen some things, you know, moving forward and, and we are getting more rights. Like I'm talking about the workers, I'm talking about women, I'm talking about, I don't know, diversity. And this is thanks to the coalition government. And, and what you said just like happened, you know, like whenever there was a disagreement, you could see Podemos saying that, oh, no, no, that's PSOE's side of the government. We have nothing to do with this. And the same goes for PSOE. Uh, But um, I think having a coalition is is more enriching for for everyone. And also it's everyone feels more represented because you have like two options in into one government. Uh, But the thing is, it's not working out for them, because even if um, PSOE gets the majority of the seats, they still would need someone else for them to be able to cover, even if they're not inside of the government, just for the votes. Sanchez would still need people outside of PSOE for him yeah. to be appointed president. And the same goes for Pepe. 
this is I was this is yeah, yeah this is the thing that's interesting to me which I think this might be what you were just about to say in which case I apologize for cutting you off like I I saw Sanchez speak the other day and in that speech you know he said now for the record I understand very clearly if I continue to be the president after this next set of elections I will be governing in a coalition with Sumar whereas uh, Pepe the right wing party seems to be kind of trying to pretend that they're not actually going to have to form a coalition with Vox which is like numerically hard to imagine well they, they they could do that like technically they could get because uh i don't know if you know how the system works like or whoever is listening uh how the system works uh actually you have two rounds of votes in in the spanish parliament when when i mean the person the party says i, I want to be the president then it goes to congress and they have to vote so the first time they need an absolute majority but the second time they're just like need more a yes, than knows. Gotcha. So in the first in the first round, it could be that I mean, for me, it's a worst scenario, but it's something that can potentially happen, and maybe we can make another episode uh, in a couple of weeks, yeah. actually discussing the results. It could be that in the first round of votes, um, Feijo is not elected, but then they vote again, and because it's just more yeses than noes, uh, he could be elected because um, Box could abstain. Ah. Uh. Oh, they could abstain, but not not then join the coalition. But the thing is, that would be um, a minority government. I don't know if yeah. the term is correct in English. It is. And that puts them in a really bad situation because they could reach, you know, like really specific agreements. Like we can, we can make, we want to make a change in this law and Box agrees with that so they can get that law to pass actually because Box is in agreement. But then it gets the point in which you have to um, work on the budget and there's where the problem start. And if they don't reach an agreement there, then that could cause for the government to fall and then we would be up to another election, which Perfect. is something that we saw it could actually potentially, you know, be wishing. Yeah, for the it would be, I can say that the fact that then the government would fall, even that is, again, coming from the American system where having what we would call this divided government where nothing can get gunned because the president and one of the houses of Congress are of different parties. This the idea of the government just falling and being replaced by another is still is still a fantasy to me. But but I, I will say, since we're talking about things about the coalition and, and you've you've hinted at some of this before, from really from almost right after the time that I arrived in Spain, I I you know, I was here for that first election in 2018 when uh, both Sanchez and then the Ciudadanos party, the center party, like both did really well. And like, I have always wished from that point on that the coalition had been made between those two. I kind of assume you feel the same way. <laughs> uh, yeah, but just... I, think, uh, I, I think that would have been like really beneficial for Spain and for everyone, because <clears throat> actually it, it, it goes a, a bit back already in 2015, uh, PSOE and Ciudadanos tried to reach an agreement but they were a minority, so it wouldn't work. We needed the support of other parties, not to be inside the government, but just like to support Sanchez becoming president and Albert Rivera becoming vice president, which would have been amazing. <laughs> and Albert Rivera, really, just so everyone knows, is the leader, was the leader at the time of the Ciudadanos party. So it's, and, yeah. and the founder. And uh, he had a really good project. So they had this agreement on the table for 2015, but they could not... I mean, they did reach an agreement, but the votes, the math did not work. Yeah. So that didn't happen. 
And I think, and, 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 and it's really hurtful for me to say this, but I think it was a great mistake for Ciudadanos to say before that election that you mentioned that we will not sit down and talk with PSOE because they thought that the numbers will work out with PP. Yeah. And then they didn't work out. And yeah. it was such a shame. And in the really yeah. last minute, because we, we needed to vote again because there was no agreement, they said, hey, we did sign an agreement in 2015. Let's make it work now. And PSOE said, no, yeah. I mean, you've been bitching me for six months now yeah. because you see what's coming. You want to talk to me? I'm sorry, I'm, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. That's basically what happened. I think that that coalition would have been way, I don't want to say better because you never know, but I would say beneficial. I, and- I found myself thinking during during the pandemic in particular that although Spain did have, I think, a, a more effective response to the pandemic than a lot of other European countries did, I found myself thinking that they probably would have had an easier time navigating that by having a coalition of the center and having the opposition be divided between the far left and the far right, rather than having a coalition of the left, which then has the entire other half of the country against you. Like I I, I found myself wishing for them what I already wished after 2018, that, that there had been a Merkel-style center coalition. But I will say, despite that not having happened, under Sanchez, like, you know, Spain does seem to have done fairly well. I mean, like the, you know, Sanchez is quite well respected abroad. He he did do a pretty good job handling the pandemic, despite what I just mentioned. Economic indicators are better in Spain than they are in most other European countries. Uh, inflation this year in Spain is much lower than a lot of the rest of Europe. Uh, there are a number of other positive things like, you know, lower unemployment and things like this. So I guess what I what I mean to say here is this this government has a lot of has has you know a lot to show for its work over the last several years. With that being the case, why do you think it is that they are underperforming, let's say, in the polls leading up to this election and just got their asses handed to them in, in the, the local elections? Yeah. Uh, I actually I don't know what to say because uh I'm not an expert in polls. I mean, I, I know quite a lot about our system and how you know like the voters behave. Uh I I really don't know, you know, like the thing here is, um, I think part of the problem of PSOE and their performing, as you mentioned, is the, the lack of options that we have previously said, you know, like a lot of people maybe would vote for Ciudadanos if they're there, but they're not voting for Ciudadanos and they feel closer to Pepe than they feel mm. closer to PSOE. Ah, so okay. yes, a lot of that vote is transferring there. There, another thing that 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 we have is, um, for some reason, uh, the messages that Vox is sending against the government and against the president are working out really, really well. And a lot of people, especially, this is something that scares me a lot. It's like the the young population voting for options like Vox. Yeah. That I think, you know, like we've seen a shift of. The, the youth not being as progressive as, as we would expect. And I've, I said I've, expect yeah. because and in my mind, if you're young, you wouldn't, you know, agree with box ideas because they're like from another century to my understanding. Like I respect everyone's opinion, but I don't think a party like box belongs to Spain in 2023. It's, it's interesting. I, I've come across this myself, actually, with with people that I've talked to here, young young people who, well, young people who were more inclined to vote for right wing parties than I certainly ever was, but who 
although they favor gay rights and abortion rights and all these things that Vox takes a stronger stand against than Bebe does, that 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 are interested in voting for Vox this time around, which based the the based on the people that I've talked to, it seems like it's it reminds me a little bit of the Trump phenomenon in the states in that it doesn't seem to be about the policy so much as the attitude. Um, you know, they're they're they they want they want somebody that's that's more strongly for some nebulous set of policies that they're not sure about. They're taking like Vox has taken a few topics because actually if if, if you read their proposals and what they have to offer, I don't want to say that everything is bad because they do have good people in their teams. Some things are quite rational, and some things I could support to some st- some uh, to some extent. But other things, it's just like it's not there. Everything is like really superficial. But they have taken uh, different topics that are really um, appealing, or that are like the biggest concerns of our middle class, which is being crushed. Like the middle class in Spain is disappearing because it's being crushed. Despite, I'll say, just despite positive economic indicators that have come out in the last several years. Yes, but I mean, one of the things that I don't agree with that has that PSOE has done is that you know, like they their tax policy, it's they're crushing these middle classes, and these middle classes have issues. Like they cannot find jobs. They find jobs that don't pay how they should pay. Uh, Housing is. A really big problem now in Spain. We have a lot of of region in, in which um you know houses are being occupied, and Box has taken these topics, and they have actually made they have a really reductionist speech on them, like why you don't have a job? Hey, because you know you have people crossing the border from Morocco and they are stealing your jobs. That's it. Oh, you are not getting an aid to take your children to daycare for free. Oh, but you know what? Uh, Mohammed that has just arrived from Morocco, they do have a pay that you don't have. Yeah. And for certain parts of the population, this is working. Yeah. And that's why they're winning. It's interesting that 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 also would seem to map, ex- if you see the map of the places where Box wins, it's places with a lot of um, you know, unemployment, a lot of immigration problems with housing, low income, and that's where they are strong. But yeah. the thing is, they don't seem to have like actual solutions to these problems yeah. because I could say- They're good okay, at channeling anger, not so good at coming up with any actual response to it. But as we yes. saw with Donald Trump, just doing the first one of those things can be effective if you want to win an election. That's I should that. say, we. I, I think- um, I think we should- uh, I think we should do this again in a couple of weeks after the election so we can either- you know, so we can- but potentially make ourselves now look like idiots in retrospect in a couple of weeks. But with that being the case, like, do you think there's much chance that that Sanchez is able to beat the odds and end up getting a second term? The thing is, like, I don't know what to say because um, the polls are showing. Um, here's like another thing with polls in Spain: it's illegal to for polls to be published the last week of campaign. Uh, so, oh, so right we haven't now, seen anything for the last. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So the last polls that we've seen, Not they good. are like old. Say yeah. maybe the, the last that we saw, I think it was on Sunday, but maybe the, the data that that poll has is from the middle of the previous week. Yeah. So we really don't know how's, how the last week of the campaign is working. Yeah. I don't know what to say. The thing is, um, 
if if Pepe doesn't want to go in a coalition with Vox, which is what they are saying now, I don't know how, you know, uh, hungry for power they are. Because yeah. if they're really, really hungry, they would do that. Because they, yeah. they already said that they were not going to do that, and and that they've done, they've done that in already two regions. Yeah, they're like have the, the external support of Vox in another region. Oh, so sorry. And what you're what you're saying, just just to make sure, because this this is something that I think people that aren't super familiar with the system will will have missed. What you're saying is, although Besoy has been clear, if we govern, it will be in a coalition with Sumar. Whereas Pepe is saying, at least at the national level, that they will not form a coalition with Vox. But at the local level, they have now turned around and done this in several different municipalities. Yes, that's okay. that's a thing. Like, I, I don't know exactly if they had said no, but what I know is like they haven't said yes. They they seem to be they they are what they're doing here from what I if I'm understanding you correctly and from what I've heard in other places, basically like they they're just kind of playing coy. They're not like when 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 asked, Mr. Fei Hu, will you form a coalition with Vox? His answer wouldn't be yes or no. His answer would be, I'm not going to have to because we're going to win an outright majority. That, that's what they always say. You know, yeah. like uh, I worked in the uh, campaign in the Balearic Islands uh, in May, and that was like the now president, Marga Proens. She was saying that the whole time, I'm not going to need anyone. I'm going to be uh, like, I'm going to form a government by myself. She has done that, but she needed the votes from Vox. Yeah. She just left them outside of the government. But I don't mm. think Vox will accept that to happen at a national level. No, I, I wouldn't imagine they would. They they certainly, so, certainly if they look at recent Spanish history and see how badly Theodano was basically screwed up in 2018, I don't think they're going to say, and then disappeared as a party within like five years. I doubt Vox is going to make the same mistake backward, though you and I may think they are. Uh, so, okay, I, so I, then- what's going to happen like uh, but the thing is if 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 pepe can potentially form a government with box and they go on and they publicly say that we're gonna have to see the numbers first yeah i don't think that government is going to last as much as they will try to interesting i was gonna I... ask next like that we kind of speculate more broadly about the future of Spanish politics, which again, I, a part of me thinks I should just, uh, we should save this and have another conversation after the election. But I mean, like, you know, I I, I do say with with condolences to you as a person who's worked with Theodat Anos that it, it does look at least for now, like any hope of there being any like powerful force at the political center, at least in the form of that party is, is basically gone for the time being. And now that Spain has consolidated really is consolidated into, into four blocks, you know, so there's the center left and the far left, there's the traditional right, and then the crazy, the crazy right along, um, you know, which, which looks like a Trump or a Le Pen in the form of Vox. Like, is this the way we imagine things probably staying for a while? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I want to believe that after this election, people will see that they're actually like missing an option. Hmm. You know, like the space that Ciudadanos could have filled, uh, it's still there. So I, I kind of hope that it will come a time in which people will see, hey, this is the party that we need. Because even if it's not for being in government, when it comes to working in parliament, you need a party like Ciudadanos yeah. to make things things work. And that's something that that that, that we've seen in, in the different regions. You know, Ciudadanos was in two regions. For many different things that that that, that could feel uh, uh, an episode itself, uh, those governments didn't work. But in the other regions in which they were not in the government, they still helped the parties in the government pass some mm -hmm. legislation, 
make things work. That's why you need a party like Ciudadanos. Like, I would love for Ciudadanos to be in government, but that's something that we might never see happening. That's something that we can see in, in the near future. I don't know. But you do need a party like that inside the parliament. And I think that space, it's still there. A lot of people will still vote for that. Like that, It's something that I've seen during the campaign. A lot of people saying, wow, we need a lady like Ines Arrimadas now. Like she represents what I'm not seeing in this campaign. And I love Yolanda Diaz. And, and, and I mean, I would love her to be the president. I think she's a really brave woman. And, and, and I think she brings a lot to the table and and she's what i would like to see in a in a woman being the president of my country for the first time but i see that more in a person like ines or in a person like patricia was you know like someone that represents the values of 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 ciudadanos and represents the values of working for the country and not for the party because that's yes. something that we've seen you know like the interests of the party are coming first and not the interests of the country and that's something that you don't get in Pepe, you don't get in PSOE, you don't get in Vox, and we might not get in Sumar. Like, I don't know, because we've never seen Sumar as, you know, as something being just, put in government. But we've seen that in, in Podemos, you know, just at a certain, to a certain extent. Um, the party was put first, and that's why Pablo Iglesias ended up leaving, you know, because he was not getting what he wanted. And just, that's for, just for the sake of of um of folks knowing some names, uh, Pablo Iglesias was the head of of Podemos, which was the far left party, which has been part of Sanchez's coalition. But he left in a huff after a while because, as as Julia said, um, he wasn't getting every single little thing that he wanted, and also he was a jackass. Uh, and uh, Ines Arrimadas was one of the leaders of the the center party, which is now again at least temporarily kind of kaput. Um, speaking of of parties doing things, and no, I. I I kick off with a good transition. So transitioning, uh, <laughs> looking in from the outside of Spain, a lot of attention, at least in the media in in my own country, has been focused on the very real possibility of a hard right party entering the government for the first time since Franco fell. We've obviously been talking about that already in the conversation here, but I just kind of want to like, before we wrap up, I kind of want to address this question directly. So like, Again, most most of the coverage from outside, or at least from the U.S., has been like, oh, look, there are elections happening in Spain. And oh, my God, in this election, there might be a hard right party that enters the government for the first time since 1975. Do we think that if this happens, that it actually is likely to be as big a deal within Spain as it looks like from the outside? That is to say... How different would it be to have a government that's a coalition of Pepe and Vox than it was just the last time between that and the last time that Pepe was in power without like a coalition? Well, the thing is, uh, Pepe has always been in government by themselves. And the second government of, of Pepe with Aznar, uh, he had a really big majority. So it's like Basically, everyone wanted him to be president and they had a real aggressive campaign against PSOE. That's why they win. Uh, I don't know how good Pepe is at coalitions. Interesting. Oh, I can get a feeling of how they are in coalitions because uh, Ciudadanos was in coalitions with them in, in three regions in Spain. And I think um, if, if we see the coalition between Pepe and Vox happening, which again, I'm not really sure because I think Pepe will try to the very last moment to govern by themselves, like just with the external support in parliament. But again, I don't know if Vox is willing to do that. 
that's something that we we don't know we're gonna have to see um but the thing is uh, i i guess if 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 we see that because i know i'm really sure that pepe knows that go forming a government with box is gonna go against our popularity i'm not mm -hmm. talking about in spain i'm talking about outside yeah as you mentioned before uh sanchez um is really i mean that the, the the perception of our president outside of spain is really good he's liked he's seen as a good leader like right now he's the president like the, the president of the european council and she's doing i mean he's doing great he speaks english Feijó doesn't oh really okay <laughs> yeah he doesn't he's good looking which I'm sorry, like that's something that it's there. Yeah. Uh, and I think um, pe a government with, with Pepe and Feijo would not be that popular. Yeah. So that's you why know, I, I, I can certainly see how it is a little bit awkward, just like for one thing, the fact that Spain right now has the presidency of the European Commission and then has the possibility of like elections replacing that person. I can, I can see the, I can see the, uh, coming from Brussels yeah, as, exactly. as especially as 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 Feijo shows up. I mean and, and to be fair, Feijo is not the craziest member of his party. I mean I I in the introduction I I, I talk about how like I'm at least relieved that that it is Feijo and not another person not Isabel Diaz Ayuso who is running Pepe, but I mean I'm just imagining the collective groan in Brussels if Feijo shows up yeah, having some... formed a coalition with with a far right party that hates Brussels and taking over for Pedro Sanchez, who you know is is yeah. Because <laughs> the thing is, if 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 they form a coalition with Box, they Box would get at least a couple of ministers that would have to go to Brussels, and it's like, uh, I mean, nobody's gonna want to sit with you in the table. Yeah. They just, <laughs> but you're not liked, you yeah. know. As you said, it's like, oh my god, no. But the thing is, um, if, if they do try to form a, a government, uh, I guess Pepe will try to move a bit more towards the center. Mm -hmm. Like they will make really good efforts to differentiate themselves from Box. And again, um, and I don't know if this is good or bad, but if Box manages to be in the government, they will try to slow down and they will try to be more neutral towards topics that are not that popular. Mm -hmm. Because we've seen that the governments that they are like they the, the first government that they managed to be in box was the government in castilla y leon which is one of the big regions in, in in spain and they had like this list of things that they wanted to do and in the end they're doing nothing mm -hmm. and you know the, the, the worst thing about that it's like they accepted a vice presidency with zero functions like he has power over exactly zero units of areas and they're okay with that because they just like want the power. They just want the title. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen in the government. I think Box has a really clear idea in their minds of what they want to do. But again, um, for like for the image of Spain outside, I think it's a re it's really bad news if if a, for if a coalition between Box and 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 Pepe is formed. But for the actual coalition, I think things would be not that bad. And then, and, and, I mean, I don't know how to explain that. I don't want to say that a, a government between them would not be bad. I'm just like saying that Vox will try to be more neutral. Yeah. A lot of the things that they have in mind right now, they want there to put them on top of the negotiation because they just know that Pepe will not pass. And again, Pepe will still be in majority inside the government. Yeah. So 
they will still get to decide on a lot of the things. And that's, I mean, it can go two ways. Like either like the population might want to punish them in an, in a, you know, in a future election for having formed this coalition, or it could just like backfire against Fox because, hey, you're in the government and you promised that you were going to kick out, uh, you know, all the brown uh, people and, immigrants. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're going to send them to this boat that uh, Rizzi Sunak is putting in in the yeah. Atlantic. But now you haven't done that. So yeah. uh, I, I think uh, if this coalition forms, we have quite a few episodes discussed because there's yeah. a lot of things that could potentially happen. But it's it's yeah, it is it's what you're the point you're just making right there will be will be an interesting one to see because like I guess a lot of it will depend on how cult like Vox voters are because I, I I think of the analog to you know to the Trump phenomenon in the United States where you have a, a person who had a not super clear agenda but he did sound very crazy and angry and a lot of the population that are also crazy and angry like that and then when he was elected. He really wasn't very effective. I mean, like he 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 managed to do certain things as president that were things that his supporters liked because it made our people angry, but not anything that actually did anything at all to improve their lives or achieve most of the agenda they had in mind, other than getting to laugh and giggle over horrifying videos of small children being separated from their parents because, you know, they're sociopaths. But like, but like the the Trump people a lot of the Republican Party is still quite loyal to Donald Trump, despite him having been quite ineffective as president, just because it's like they didn't have any expectation that anything happened. So it'll be interesting to see, I guess, the stakes of this are the question of whether, as you're describing, the Vox voters actually expect their agenda, the agenda of the party to get through, or they just like having the loud personality in the room. Uh, and I guess we'll just, I guess we'll just have to see about that if they win, A and B, the very question if they do uh, well, I guess we can we can hope that those questions remain academic uh, and that things go a different way this next Sunday. Uh, and regardless, um, I think uh, yeah, I think we should do this again after the election and see uh, see what things look like. Um, yeah, it's it's. I think this scenario would be really interesting, and we will see negotiations happening on on both sides. Because I, I guess both sides are gonna try to <clears throat> to form a a government, and and even if. This, I mean, it's a long shoot that I'm taking here, but even if, if uh, Pepe wins in seats, um, I guess PSOE will try to, to reach an agreement with everyone else, everyone else. Like Pepe and Vox to try to form a government. And, and, and we haven't talked about the small parties yeah. that can potentially have a, 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 a big role in, in things happening, you know, because you have like, like, more like local nationalist parties that they're okay with the, the little that you can offer. They take that. Like yeah. I know it sounds like a joke, but um, the last uh, budget was passed because PSOE agreed to putting money into uh, putting Catalan subtitles in Netflix. God's sake. And a Catalan nationalist party took that as something that they were totally okay with, and that's they that that's why they support it. Ah, uh, so the, this so this is why when I call the doctor's office, they only answer me in Catalan. Oh, now I know who to complain, so, um, <laughs> complain about. Yay Vox, yay pay, yay pay, pay. No more, no more. Only having Catalan when I call. Them. I I think we're gonna see 
um, really, the summer is not going to be quiet. We're going to see yeah. negotiations happening all over and PSOE trying to form government, even if it's yeah. just because they're warning people that the wolf is coming, that the, the, the right far is here, you know, you know, like the far right is here. They cannot be in government because this and this and that is going to happen. But we'll see. I'm, I don't know what to expect from the election on Sunday. I'm really, really excited to see what happens uh, and to see the result and to see the outcomes of the negotiations. And we might be voting again at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this certainly wouldn't be the first time just in the time that I've lived in Spain, where there's been an election we thought was going to be conclusive and then it just wasn't. So in any case, um, we'll have to we'll have to have another conversation after after Sunday and see what's happened. Um, but I yeah. in the meantime, I, I want to be uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you've got a busy week. Um, uh, okay, and just just to quote, uh, now that like you mentioned like your your like the American elections, uh, just to quote one of my favorite comedians, they were making fun of the fact that we had voted twice in a year and we mm -hmm. hadn't had a president. And it was the same year that uh, Trump got elected. And they said, yeah, at least they choose someone. You know, we, we vote here and we don't choose anyone. So at least you get to choose someone. So maybe having your system here would make things way easier. On Definitely the other hand. More uh, boring, but way easier. Uh, on the other hand, a, a, a majority of us voted for the other person and we didn't get her. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take I'll take nobody over what we had uh, between 2017 and 2021. But uh, in any case, thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, we'll definitely have to do this again after the election happens. Um, thank you for I, having me and, and looking forward to the second part. Yeah, I really appreciate all of your insights and, and, uh, and look forward to chewing through uh, the results of this with you. Well, I don't think there's really too much to add until we see the outcome of these elections. So that's it for this episode of OK Talks. First of all, thanks so much to Julia. I feel much better informed, if not necessarily relieved, and I super appreciate her coming on the show. If you like the show and want to make sure that you don't miss the next episode, hit subscribe or follow, and if you really want to do me a favor, leave a rating or review, and most importantly, share the show with anyone else you think might get something out of it. Thanks to everyone who's done that already. Thanks in advance to anyone else who does. Thanks, as always, to my friend Nate Wright for having designed the podcast artwork, and thanks to everyone else for listening.